On December 16, 1942, an English-born criminal climbed into a German plane and hitched a ride back to his native homeland of England. The Nazis had trained him as a spy and had instructed him to sabotage an aircraft factory that was vital to the British war effort. Unfortunately for the Krauts, their spy had no intention of actually helping them and was going to become perhaps the most effective double agent in all of World War II. In this week's episode of HPH, we're taking you through a crazy spy story that if it were a movie, you probably wouldn't believe it was true. Grab a drink and settle in for the wild ride that is this episode of Hunter Proof History, titled Agent Zigzag, The Spy Who Proposed to Me. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to infiltrate GameStop HQ and plant an electromagnetic pulse bomb to destroy their internal infrastructure. You know I'll always accept him. That's what I like about you, 007. Just try to stay out of trouble, would you? It would be a shame to break a promise to you. Seems as though GameStop realizes they have an uninvited dinner guest. What a shame. Will you please put down your weapon? (laughs) Ah, yes, but of course. The Ed 209 from 1987's (laughs) smash hit Robocop. You have 20 seconds to comply. Why don't you be a good boy and run along and fetch me a dry martini? Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kino Lille. You have 10 shake seconds it over ice, to not comply. a thin slice of lemon peel. Remember, shaken, not stirred. After all, my name is Bond. James. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! gathered here today to lay Tommy Flugenbottom to rest. He unfortunately perished under intense gunfire. As you know, 007 has died in the line of duty. As unfortunate an event as that may be, you know it means a promotion for you. Yes, it's certainly not how I envisioned receiving the promotion, but ultimately we have a job to do. And what will your super-secret spy name be, 0069? Well, Em, I've decided on Agent Leather Daddy. I'm sorry, what? That, I, I can't believe it. You said no joke. You lied to me again. This bastard. This son of a bitch. Give it up again, Wolf Dick, for this magnificent Woo! sexual man. So strong and powerful. You know, I was listening to the, the bit you did last time about the uh, John Brown fighting the masters at GameStop and AMC, and I thought it was funny because by the time that episode came out, the stock had completely fucking crashed. You know, I was like, oh, everybody's already out of that, you know, but uh, it's come back. It's it's rebounded enough that uh, now James Bond has to go fight him, and uh, sad to say it didn't work out for him. That's a, that's yeah. a disappointing mm-hmm. end. Yeah, not even close to the last one I did, but okay. I, I said last time with the John Brown, yeah, whatever, don't argue with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that is your main host, Greg. He doesn't even get to say his own name this week. Because uh, I fucked that part up. Usually let you say I already uh, 
voiced every goddamn character for three minutes. <laughs> I don't need to talk anymore. And I am your sexiest of hosts, Christopher. And today, we are talking about the English spy. Not 007. Not 0069. No. Agent Zigzag. You know, I don't think a lot of people know about him. He's kind of a obscure character from history, but a very interesting story, very cool story. And our main source is Agent Zigzag by Ben McIntyre. Now, it was a uh, it's a very entertaining book. There's some stuff we had to leave out just for the sake of time, so definitely pick it up if you get the chance. I uh, highly recommend it, even if you aren't a big history person. I think it's a very interesting story, so... Well, I mean, it's spy stuff. Yeah, it's very It's hard cool. for it not to be interesting, especially when you get into the whole double agent thing and playing one side against the other and vice versa. It's just, you know, it's cool. It is cool. Just like Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy was cool. Just a non-stop thrill ride. Never saw it. It's because it's really fucking boring. Oh. Yep. I'd like to thank all of our new Patreon subscribers, uh, especially Stephanie and Noah. One of them is a very sexy young thing who are very excited that they are listening. And the other one's Stephanie. Yeah. Well, you know, she's probably pretty nice, too, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, uh, you know. Well, we made fun of uh, Noah last week, and he's like, oh, fuck, these guys are right. Yep. <sighs> we bullied him into it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if there's anyone out there named, I don't know, let's pick a name. Uh, Jeff, any Jeffs out there? You're a piece of shit. Unless you give us three bucks a month, Jeff. Garbage human. I just got all the Jeffs for us, Greg. That's how you sell stuff. Hell yeah. We're just going to be rolling in it. <laughs> well, I know the listener is just champing at the bit to know when Ed 209 comes into this story. Mm-hmm. So, psh, let's deliver. Let's do it. You ready? I'm so ready. Sound like me when I lost my virginity. That older woman. <laughs> you ready, baby? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> this is going to give me the A, right? <laughs> oh, I'm going to give you the A, all right. <laughs> and the D. I thought you said you were a lady. <laughs> Does this mean I don't have to do pee anymore? <laughs> Jim, teacher, you're so crazy. <laughs> that was just his name. He taught math, but his name was Jim Teacher. <laughs> Jim Teach. <laughs> Start the fucking show. <laughs> okay. The man who would become Agent Zigzag was born Edward Arnold Schwarzenegger Chapman on November 16th, 1914. Three of those four names are actual names he had, but I'm not going to tell you which ones. Figure it out, nerds. As a kid, he was noted as being intelligent, but easily bored and super lazy, and would spend most of his days skipping school, collecting and selling bottles, and then hanging out at the movies. And I think I've talked about that on the podcast. I That's how I spent my college years, watching Shaft with Samuel L. Jackson six times, so I didn't have to go back to class. When he was 17, Eddie joined the military, but soon went AWOL. They arrested him, made him spend 84 days in prison scrubbing bedpans, and then gave him a dishonorable discharge. Which is also what he was scrubbing out of those bedpans. <laughs> dishonorable discharge. Did you get it? It's a poop joke. Um, fun fact, he, he was one of those guys that wear the big tall hats. The, the furry hats and the red suits, and they can't talk or do anything. And he was... Sent outside to guard the Tower of London. Santa Claus. Yes, Santa Claus. Okay. <laughs> you know, he was set outside the Tower of London, but he got super bored and just left to go bang some chick. Eddie moved to London, where he bounced between jobs such as masseur, dancer, wrestler, and gigolo that may or may not have, but definitely did, service both sexes, and he would then make money by threatening to blackmail his clients. Unfortunately for Eddie, he still struggled to pay the bills, and so he turned to the ever-profitable world of stealing shit. Low overhead. It is low overhead, that's true. Unless you got those cool gadgets where you like the suction cups where you climb up the building, but that's, uh, you know. I wonder how much it cost Hans Gruber to run that operation. Nakatomi Plaza. I bet you that's pretty expensive. I mean, just getting the guys over from Germany was pretty 
pricey, I imagine. Nah, not back then. Yeah, well, I mean, you still got to get guns through the airport, you know, and of Dude, course you it just was... put them in your fucking uh, check <laughs> bag back then. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's your carry you on. Smoked on the fucking plane the whole <laughs> yeah. way over the ocean. Mm. Fifty bucks a person. Yeah, but limited drinks. Everyone wore a suit because it's a classier time. So these bastards showing up at the airport now wearing flip flops and swim trunks, and you know, get the fuck off of my plane. <laughs> Well, at first, Eddie just wrote bad checks or broke into houses. A few times he was caught and tossed into jail under fake names like Edward Simpson, Arnold Thompson, and the very clever Edward Edwards. Hmm. That was a panic one. That was a panic move. Like, what's your name, son? Edward. What's your last name? Uh, Edwards. <laughs> Bobby McButtonpins. <laughs> That doesn't oh, that's sound very, real. That sounds very British. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> no, but it's so easy to make fake names. I don't understand why he struggles so hard. Like, right now, uh, Ben McIntyre. See, he just came up with that off the top of my head. You know, just completely fake name. I'll do it again. Here. Uh, Adolf. Uh, uh. Oh, Adolfo. <laughs> Imprisonment. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> why did Why did it take twenty seconds to say your name? And most of those were spent on just your first name. It's just uh, like the very end of a last Star Wars movie. What's your name, Ray? Ray, what? Skywalker. It's like, what the? F- did she just have a stroke? <laughs> just thinking about her past and stuff. Just staring up at the sky, like. I'm sorry. Did I distract you in the middle of saying your fucking name? (laughs) Well, soon Eddie found himself in a gang that used explosive gelinite to crack safes. Being the ultimate in badass, hardened criminals, they called themselves the Jelly Gang. Stick them up, boy! (laughs) No, you can put your hands down. In 1935, Eddie charmed a Jewish-German girl named Vera Friedberg, who taught him how to speak basic German. Taught him how to say, uh, meat whistle, just like you taught me. Fleischpfeiffer. Who needs Duolingo when you got that, right? They got married, but he pretty much immediately left her and moved in with a dancer named Frida Stevenson. And then he immediately started cheating on Frida with a little blonde number named Betty Farmer. In 1939, Eddie and his gang were caught breaking into a safe in Scotland. They were arrested and released on bail, but Eddie skipped town. He took Betty Farmer on a trip to the English Channel Island of Jersey for a little vacation. The two were having a lovely dinner in a restaurant when men in overcoats busted in to arrest Eddie. He calmly placed his napkin in his lap, looked deep into Betty's eyes, and jumped face first through a closed window and took off running down the beach. Yes! Just had to... Couldn't afford the check. He's just, oh, shit. This bitch ordered lobster. No. (laughs) Eddie, I'm late this month. (laughs) (laughs) It's just two random dudes wearing overcoats. They, like, slowly take them off and hang them on the coat rack. Like, what the fuck was that? Uh, table for two, please. We're just here on Jersey, so our wives don't know what we're doing. We're just hanging out in the <laughs> island. Is that the situation over there doing sit-ups? Look at that guy. <laughs> I hear something about a boardwalk of debauchery. Are we able to go there? We brought our own Valtrex prescriptions. <laughs> Valtrex. Well, Eddie was soon caught, imprisoned, then escaped, and then he was imprisoned once again. While in jail, he taught himself French and German and made friends with a dude named Anthony Faramus. In 1941, the two men were released from prison, but by then the Germans had captured the island of Jersey. It was actually something I didn't know. I didn't know they'd actually captured islands in the English Channel, like they'd made it that far. Same these, bro. Chapman and Faramus opened a hair salon for the German soldiers but they desperately wanted off the island where everyone was treated like garbage by the occupying Nazi force. I laughed because I get this image of them like a sitcom 
of two male hairdressers serving the Nazis and you know, like coming up plans to foil their you know their evil overlords. I think it could work. Yeah, that's the only reason I laughed about two male hairdressers. Not so. I just imagine the cameras on the back of one of their uh, their heads, while you, one of the Nazis' heads, while they're getting mm-hmm. their hair styled, and uh, it's like the sitcom intro. And then they finish the haircut, and mm-hmm. they turn him around, and he smiles at the camera, but he's got a flock of seagulls <laughs> haircut, and then it says his name because he's one of the main characters. You know? <laughs> like freeze frame, his name, <laughs> stupid flock of seagulls haircut on a Nazi. I like in it. In uniform. I like it. That's the what I imagine. end of the uh, the credits is a freeze frame of Eddie and Faramus leaning back to back with their arms crossed. You know, and it's got the, mm-hmm. the title down at the bottom. Now I got to come up with a title for Eddie and Faramus's hair dressing Nazis. Jew did not see that cut coming. <laughs> that was terrible. It's too long. Well, at some point during his time as a hairdresser, Eddie had this great idea. He and Faramus would become spies for the Germans. After all, Eddie had no real reason to love the English government. And that's when he approached the Germans and was immediately arrested and transferred to the French fort of Romainville, which had the super fun motto of Alles Verboten, which translates to everything is forbidden. Grounded. <laughs> oh. That's season two of the hairdressers. <laughs> After suffering in shit-tier conditions for a few months, Eddie was approached by a man calling himself Herr Dr. Stefan Graumann. His real name was Stefan Albert Heinrich von Groening, and he was a bored rich dude who didn't like Hitler or the Nazis, but thought he'd be a real gas to go ahead and join up with a German intelligence agency known as Abwehr. Uh, that gas thing wasn't supposed to be a pun, by the way. Just uh old-timey saying, you know. I don't think anybody thought that until you just pointed it out. <laughs> Uh, we were all thinking about the Holocaust. I just said it, okay? I just said it. Watching that Michael Phelps swim in the uh, the Olympics, you're like, man, that guy's really fit. And just look around the room. I mean, I'm not attracted to him. He's just really, <laughs> he's in good shape, you know? It's not, it's not an attraction thing. Right. You know, I'm like, and then you stand up, you're like, look, see? I don't even have a boner. So it's not <laughs> like I've... I'm lusting after him. You just really overcompensate. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what I meant. Listen, I just have him as my wallpaper on my phone because I appreciate what he does as an athlete. It's not a it's not a sexual thing. Okay. It's I don't <sighs> Okay, fine, you got me. All right. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Von Groening was there to recruit Eddie as a spy. After all, Eddie was a criminal, spoke multiple languages, and had experience with explosives. He was the ideal candidate, and he agreed on the spot. He asked if his buddy Faramus could join in on the fun, but Von Groening said they didn't really need a hairdresser whose only crime had been writing a hot check for nine pounds. What a terrible way to get thrown at a German prison. Nine pound check. That was like $8,000 million (laughs) in today's money, so... You gotta look at it through the lens of history. Yeah, and he was just gonna spend it on that little alcohol thing where they put all the scissors in after they don't get cut in hair. Like he was barbicide. Yeah, that thing. That's also what it's called when you murder a hairdresser. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> well, Von Groening assured Chapman that Faramus would be taken care of, and then presumably laughed like an evil maniac because Faramus would eventually be transported to Dachau, where he'd suffer and barely survived the war. Well, of course, Eddie wouldn't know what happened to Faramus until years later. Or while he was doing this whole thing, he thought, I'll keep working for the Germans because that means my buddy's going to be safe, unaware of what they were doing to his buddy. Eddie was taken to a nice little French villa where he was fed well and given money to spend in local bars and with the local ladies of the night. Meanwhile, Eddie was taught how to use Morse code, how to shoot and fight, and how to make explosives with household chemicals. You just fill a bunch of barrels with ammonium nitrate, you know, put some, uh, pack in some charges, drive the rider truck right up to English Parliament. Just get out, man. That's all you gotta do. In 1942, the Germans began training Eddie how to parachute from a bomber. His first jump over Paris went perfectly, 
but on the second, his parachute failed when he was about 50 feet above the ground. He landed face first on the concrete and knocked himself out, and he also lost several teeth. The Germans were replaced with gold teeth at a cost of 9,500 francs. Mike Jones. <laughs> He's got a grill now. <laughs> Can we somehow get it to say a uh, coxswain across the front of that? Just uh... <laughs> I wonder where they got the gold for that, Greg. For those teeth. From teeth. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think they even bothered to melt it down or just like shove it up there. Like old we'll make we'll make it fit. Like old George Washington with his slave teeth that he wired together and shoved in his mouth. These topics are hilarious. <laughs> History is fun for everyone. It was then that the Germans revealed their plan. They would sneak Eddie into England in the middle of the night. He'd parachute into the countryside near Hatfield. He'd then establish a residence and work on sabotaging the Haviland aircraft factory. This is where the Brits were building their wooden bomber, known as the Mosquito, and it was absolutely wrecking the shit out of Berlin. Once he finished the job, the Germans would smuggle him out of the country and pay him the equivalent of $15,000 in modern U.S. dollars. Little redundant, way to read, idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like squinting over here. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Guess we're just going to let that sentence slide. We are now, fuck it. Oh, well. Of course, being efficient-minded Germans, they made him sign a contract in which he promised to pay taxes based on this income. It's like, bunch of jack, they can't even just give him 15 grand under the table. Like, oh, you know, we got got bills to pay, man. We got to... Germans, man. They got to put shit in those books. Yeah, they do. That's That's why I think uh, Holocaust deniers are so (laughs) ridiculous. They documented fucking everything. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even like, oh, you know, we liquidated this many people. It's every single cost associated with rounding them up, getting mm-hmm. there, transport, like transporting them, housing them, everything is documented to the fucking T. Mm-hmm. And even when they tried to purge all their documents, they had so fucking many that it's just, there's overwhelming evidence left behind where it's, like, look at this shit. Look, look into primary sources if you're one of those people. Also, yeah. unsubscribe to this podcast right now. Because <laughs> you're worse than we are, and we're terrible people. But at least we yes. know the Holocaust happened. When we're telling you that you're bad, something's <laughs> fucking wrong in your life. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, and we have talked about that before, where they use that as evidence that it didn't happen. There's too much evidence that it happened. It's like, what is wrong <laughs> yeah. with your brain? It's like... What happened to you as a child that made you this way? Oh, you you were raised by racists. Okay, I understand. No, I'm, I'm, on, <laughs> I'm with you. The factory was given the code name of Walter. Eddie was codenamed Fritz. And he was told to send a coded message every day between 9.45 and 10.15 using the word Constantinople as a cipher. Why not Istanbul? I don't know. Why, won't they, why didn't they change that? I don't understand why they wouldn't change it. Huh. Okay. Why 9.45 and 10.15? Like, why You gotta that... be specific. Right? <laughs> I know you gotta be specific, but it seems like weird to overlap the hours. You don't want to be too specific. <laughs> right? Because if you're too specific, people start thinking it's a fake. That makes sense. Like you just said. <clears throat> that is true. About that the documents. True. Oh, you throw them on arguments back in my face or the arguments they have about yeah well your arguments (laughs) (laughs) but no you don't want just round numbers because then it's easier we're people we identify patterns yeah and it's much easier to identify a 10 to 10 30 pattern than a 945 to 10 15 pattern that's true. They're probably like, Eddie always misses the first half of Price is Right. What is that bastard doing? What is he up to? <laughs> if everything was normal, his messages would start with five Fs. I wish I had five Fs. I'm only up to four in my lifetime, but, uh, you know, maybe my wife will come around. We'll see. Huh? F stands for fucks. I've only fucked <gasps> four times. Oh my god. I had no idea. <laughs> Three and a half, really, but you know, whatever. I'm counting it. 
you know, once you you round up. I finished. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was hours later and I was crying at the time, but you know, it counts. (laughs) That old Jim. (laughs) Mr. Teacher. That's what, what gym? I've never had sex in a gym. All the guys walk away from me in the shower. I don't. Oh, <laughs> but a gym had sex in you, <laughs> Mister Gym Teacher. Oh no! <laughs> hey, I'm Gym Teacher. Nice to meet you. <laughs> you boys like uh, action movies with shirtless men? <laughs> well, I got a whole collection here. Hi, I'm Jim Teacher, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm also addicted to pills. I have a proclivity for young men. Uh, sir? <laughs> sir? This is a sewing circle. <laughs> if you could... Next door is AA. <laughs> Might want to leave out the, the, the other thing, too. Sir, this is a book club. Do you even read Angela's Ashes this week? Um... <laughs> This is a Danielle Steele specific book club. <laughs> You're looking for AA next door. If Eddie was being used by the English to send fake messages, he's supposed to start the message with five P's, as in Paul. Guys, Paul, P is in Paul. Not uh, what you're thinking, you bunch of perverts. You disgust me. Paulina. Yes, that too. Either one. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was thinking just, Paulina. It just depends on whether or not his wife's in town. And if he couldn't use his transmitter at all, he was to put a fake message in the (laughs) London Times classifieds. Oh, I almost made it through there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Good enough. On December 16th, 1942, Eddie Chapman climbed into a Fock Wolf bomber. Fock you too, bitch. (laughs) No, I'm sorry, Wolf Dick. I didn't, I didn't mean that. Fock Wolf is a, is a plane. It's a, it's a type of German plane. Know your role. Fine, I'm sorry. Shit. <laughs> Let's keep going, man. I'm... He's. Don't worry about him. Uh, he got in a liquor cabinet again. No, not again. Well, you know, it, it's, it is important that we include him in the show a little bit. You know, we let him have a little booze, let him just uh, get involved a little bit more. We kind of cut him out. We just make him do things and dance like a paraplegic monkey. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm okay. So, not at all? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, boy. Yeah. You slightly <laughs> jiggled that abdomen. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you struggle to breathe. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> Just like a rap video. Oh, you yeah. S- <laughs> you sass me again. I'm taking the CPAP off. <laughs> Eddie was wearing a parachute over a wrinkled old suit, carried English money and tools, and had a cyanide capsule tucked into his boot. He sat down on the Bombay door, and the plane took off for England. Unfortunately for Eddie, he didn't have his oxygen mask strapped on tightly, and once they reached altitude, his nose began to bleed profusely. Once they were over the drop zone, the pilot gave Eddie the signal. The signal was, get the fuck out! Go! Go! Get! Go! (laughs) You know, but in German. (laughs) The signal was, ah! Ah! Should I jump? Should I fuck? Okay, ah! Eddie sat up on his knees and pulled the release handle. He fell through the Bombay doors a total of about two feet before his parachute got stuck in the doorway. For about ten seconds, Eddie dangled upside down from the bottom of a German bomber. Eventually, the navigator kicked him square in the back, sending Eddie tumbling towards the earth, unaware that he was 20 miles away from the targeted landing zone. So, uh, I guess he misread that signal. The screaming was just because, like, a spider crawled across the controller. (laughs) 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 Big, tough, fucking Luftwaffe pilot. (laughs) Little tiny wolf spider. (laughs) (laughs) A wolf spider. Ah, you got me. You got me. Fucking got me. (laughs) Twelve minutes later, Eddie landed safely on the ground. He then began searching for his map, only to realize it was lost in the jump. Undeterred, he ditched the parachute, shoved his revolver in his pocket, and walked down the road. 
He then went to the nearest farmhouse he could find and began banging on the door. He asked for a cup of tea and then asked the homeowners to call the police. Edward Chapman was turning himself in. You know, and it was like we said in the intro. Mm -hmm. When you really just kind of take a step back and read this, or as our listeners are probably half doing, listen Mm -hmm. to this, it sounds like a movie that is a little unrealistic. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And it it gets more unrealistic. That's (laughs) That's the funny thing. That's a stupid plot twist. That would never happen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like he gets stuck and gets, you know, kicked out. He's 20 miles away and loses the map, of course, of all things. The right. map. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, fuck this. I'm just going to turn myself in. All right. Well, let's take a break. Let's get more booze. Let's come back stronger, harder, faster. All the other words in that Daft Punk song. God, and, uh, that was awful. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> harder, better, faster, stronger. Okay, thank you. I'll come back as one of those things, (laughs) but I'm not going to tell you which one. (laughs) All right. Welcome back, listener. Hope you enjoyed that 10 seconds. Hope it was real productive for you. Got some things done, mowed the yard, did some grocery shopping, rethunk your entire life, and said, you know, I probably shouldn't listen to the second half of this podcast. You're like, well, fuck it, I'm I'm involved. I, I need to see how this, this, you know, winds up. I want to know what happened to old gym teacher. No, I mean, Eddie Chapman. That's That's the part I'm paying attention to. <laughs> Oh, well, Greg, it looks like you're primed. It looks like you're already primed there to do America's favorite segment, Second Half Seltzer. Second Half Seltzer. Second Half Seltzer. Second Half Seltzer! Three, two, one, pop. Ah, oh, that wasn't synchronized at all. I think we'd get better at this. Well, there's a little delay there over the Zoom, you know. Mm. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you won't let me in your house. I don't know. Somehow, uh, editing magic might make it line up more <laughs> than you think. <laughs> right, Wolf Dick. I'm not your slave, Rumple Cuckskin. <laughs> what? What's a Rumple Cuckskin? Well, that was unnecessary. He's an angry drunk. Not, he doesn't have fun like we do. He's just buzzed. Oh, jeez. Well, uh, it's a very good. Seltzer I'm having. I'm going to enjoy this while you tell the humans the rest of the story. Okay. Well, it turns out the English had known Eddie Chapman was coming all along. He made that really dumb face and all of his muscles tensed up. Like, oh, God, here it comes. That's it. (laughs) Well, they knew an English criminal codename Fritz was on his way that night. Long before he made his jump, the Brits had cracked the German codes and had intercepted all of their messages. You know, and this goes back to the whole uh, Enigma machine. Yeah. Which, Old, uh, uh, you guys should look up if you want to know more about that code breaking. Probably not. We'll probably have to do a show on Alan Turing someday to, you know, fill some space. So don't look it up. Don't learn anything unless we teach don't it Don't look you. it up. Wait, 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 wait. Stop. I, I, I'm starting again. In fact, every German spy had been caught and arrested. They were then either made into double agents or just executed. Yeah, it sucked for some of them because they just executed them for show. Like, they had to prove that they caught them, like teach Germany lessons, so they just straight mm-hmm. up kill them. Didn't even give them the opportunity to flip. Yeah. You execute for the show and interrogate for the dough. Yeah, that's the old saying. That's how it goes, yeah. Yep. In the spy game. And so when Eddie turned himself in, he was promptly taken to a place known as Camp O two O where he was relentlessly interrogated by agents of MI5, which is the British Domestic Intelligence Agency. They were sure he'd lie about something they already knew, but he told them everything that he had seen and done and insisted that he had planned on betraying the Germans as soon as he could. I do the same thing when my wife looks through my phone. You know, just, you know, at that point, just come clean because she's she's already seen it. Like, I can't pretend like it wasn't there. So, you know, I just got to be like, yep. (sighs) That was my plan all along. I was just uh, 
hanging out with that guy to try and get some money to take you on a nice date. And uh... <laughs> Why is there a picture of a dick on your phone? Oh, it's my dick, honey. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> it belongs to a black man, obviously. And it's not covered in warts like yours. And it's visible on the camera. I don't have to pinch zoom to see it. <laughs> just, just be honest with me here. <laughs> Put your dancing shoes on, honey. We're going out. Daddy made some money. <laughs> Fine, I'll come clean. He used a dark-skinned Cuban. Not black. You were you were wrong. I was wrong. Can we just move past this? You're a racist. I can't believe I even married you. <laughs> Turn it around on her. <laughs> <laughs> well, it took some work, but eventually they believed him and decided to make Chapman a double agent. Since he was so shifty... They gave him the code name Agent Zigzag. It's also because he smoked a ton of pot. Just always had wrapping papers on him. Yeah, that's how I know you're old. Kids don't <laughs> do that anymore. Hey, listener. He called it pot. <laughs> <laughs> he called the shit poo. <laughs> they put Eddie up in a nice don't house. Call me and old get... and then reference a 1994 movie. Come on, man. <laughs> hey. They weren't calling it fucking pot then when that movie came out. So he smoked three marijuanas that day. He injected another and overdosed <laughs> and went straight to hell because God does not abide by marijuana cigarettes. They put Eddie up in a nice house and gave him everything he could want. Well, almost. They still had to give him five pounds every now and then to go pick up a working girl from the local pubs. Although, everywhere he went, two intelligence officers followed to make sure he wasn't betraying their trust. They lack it a watch. Uh, no, sir, you're, you're fine. We're just uh, tasked with this assignment to make sure that, you, uh, that you're safe. Mm -hmm. We'll just be over in the corner. <laughs> go slower. Go slower. I, uh, I just want to oh, make sure you... Sir, sir. It's my duty. Put on this condom. <laughs> you to ensure your safety. Well, the Germans had hired Eddie to blow up a factory, and so the English decided to do just that. Eh, sort of. They hired a magician who would eventually make a fortune by inventing coin-operated toilets. And that's not a joke. To make it appear as if the Havilland factory had been blown straight to English hell. There was no tea, and it was only American coffee. Oh, no my milk. God. No milk. Oh. oh, and the sports are entertaining. No, oh, sunny skies. Ah, it's burning my vampiric skin. <laughs> but we're both fans of soccer, so. You know, whatever. We're just taking the piss. <laughs> oh. Well, the plan was to pull off this trick. Illusion, the Michael. A trick is what a whore does for money. Oh, Arrested Development, I like it. <laughs> the plan was to pull off this illusion <laughs> at the end of January 1943. In the meantime, Eddie was getting bored and depressed. He began constantly talking of reuniting with his long-lost love, Freda Stevenson, who had written him to tell him that he had a daughter and she was taking him on the Mari Povich show. To prove it. <laughs> Eddie then started talking about how his life was worthless, and he wanted to die in a blaze of glory. You know, that reminds me of uh, one of my buddies growing up, Dylan, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Dylan Klebold. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was he was intent, you know? He, he, had, he had life goals, and he saw them through. And he should be admired for that. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. No? I was a little too far. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm just Should I just introduce the controversial topic? You don't need to keep going down that road, Christopher. You'll soon find yourself in a very precarious situation. You just put me in the cockpit, and I'm like, where are those towers? I'm going right at them. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Listeners, please forgive us. Okay, so the last several seconds didn't happen. <laughs> yes, didn't happen. Men in black, flashy thing. And it's done. Same way in all my dates. Okay, continuing. <laughs> if I was Tommy Lee Jones, I'd do the men in black, flashy thing. 
But then, like, once they came to, they'd be staring right at my old dick. <laughs> and then I'd flash the thing again. <laughs> and then come to looking at my old dick. And I'd do that, like, 20 times <laughs> to really fry their brains and then be like, all right, get out of here. Scram. Like, each time you're just hoping for a better reaction, but it's not working out. Like, <laughs> like one of the, you know, a thousand monkeys and a thousand typewriters would eventually type Shakespeare. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. You like. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, Eddie got back with uh, ex-chick Freda Stevenson. Um, and MI5 actually decided to let Freda move in with Eddie, hoping that he'd cheer up if he got a little mommy and daddy were just wrestling naked time, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Well, on January 29th, four damaged Transformers made of paper mache were placed outside the aircraft factory. Rubble was placed all over the ground. The gate was taken down and replaced with a mangled and burned one. And painted canvases were draped over the sides and top of the factory to make it appear as if it were a smoldering ruin. It was so convincing that the watchman was freaked out when he showed up for work. The Brits even got a few newspapers to report the story and damage. Imagine you're supposed to be at work at 8.30 and you you open up the paper and you say, My factory's been bombed. Oh my god, I don't have I don't have to go to work today. It's like when you're a kid and you just dream of the school burning down because there's like a test you didn't prepare for, but like this guy has like a meeting with HR that day about his behaviors at work. He's like, Oh yes, it blew up. No, no they, can't. <laughs> they can't. I hope it destroyed those photographs they had of me. <laughs> He's looking in the mirror just laughing as he puts on his <laughs> lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be going into the office today. <laughs> <laughs> Smears a little lipstick on his hand. Now we get to have fun. <laughs> Let's go over to that coworker's of yours, Janice. <laughs> mm, I do think that is a great idea, Hambone. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds. Like a particularly interesting time, Hambone. <laughs> In fact, I know that her husband is at work today. She won't be expecting any visitors. But you and I will will give her a nice surprise, won't we, Hambone? <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll give her a good old surprise. <laughs> you want me to get the basket? Hmm. Which basket would that be, Hambone? You know... The one with the lotion. <laughs> and that lady we had down in the pit, her skin. I believe that's Buffalo Bill you were thinking of, Hambone. Ah, it's the same movie, it all runs together. <laughs> mm. That is true, Hambone. All right, let's knock on our door and then run away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like all that, risky. All that build up for a ding-dong ditch. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> left a flaming bag of poo on the porch. <laughs> he called the shit poo. <laughs> well, poo jokes aside, remember, Eddie had to start every transmission to the Germans with five Fs, and the factory was codenamed Walter. So there's obviously nothing funny about the fact that he sent the message, quote, F, 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 F. Walter blown in two places. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. Listener audience? <laughs> he blew up a factory. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. <laughs> Woo! Sabotage. Well, the Germans bought it hook, line, and sinker. The next step in the plan was for Eddie to go back to France, collect his paycheck, pay his income taxes, and get his next assignment from the crowds. The problem was they didn't actually want to pay him, so they sent him a telegram saying, Get to Portugal. Stop. We'll pick you up. Stop. Maniacal laughter. Stop. Stop transmitting. Stop. Seriously, fucking stop! Stop. Jesus Christ, stop! Stop. (laughs) See... The Germans knew it would be nearly impossible for Chapman to sneak out of England. He was using forged documents and was a wanted criminal in the country. 
but MI5 snuck him on a ship called the City of Lancaster, disguised as a convict, and told him once he got to Lisbon, Portugal, he was to find a way to get kicked off the ship and reconnect with the German Abwehr. On March 15, 1943, Eddie left England. Kind of sounds like a movie title, not gonna lie. Like Debbie Does Dallas. <laughs> Eddie left England. Yeah. About a fish in the water, out of the water, comes to America, trying to figure out life in the States, and he just drives on the wrong side of the road, and it's hilarious. And he's like, I want some biscuits, and they bring up big buttermilk biscuits, and it's like, these are these are terrible. And then everybody laughs. I think that, that's about how it'd go. Eddie leaves Link. It's more like a... Like a Hello, my name is Eddie, the Teddy Bear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the look for a bear! Okay, I see what you mean. It's a hide-between-the-mattress-and-the-box-springs kind of movie. Where am I going to put the dildo? (laughs) If the movie's there. (laughs) Oh, the conversations I had with my father, he's like, don't tell your mother. Do not tell her what you found. Here's 20 bucks. Go to the movies. Don't tell her about my dildo, whatever you do. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so he left England, uh, but not before proposing marriage to his baby mama, Frida Stevenson. He arrived on the 18th and went straight to the Abwehr. And remember, that was the German intelligence agency that's dealing with all this espionage thing. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, England was in a panic because they began intercepting messages that Agent Fritz was planning to sabotage the city of Lancaster by sneaking bombs disguised as lumps of coal onto the ship. He'd been spotted picking up explosives from Germans. MI6, the British Foreign Intelligence Agency, even began to plot to assassinate Eddie. And remember, that's the same MI6 of uh, your 007 vein, Mm -hmm. your uh, 0069 agent leather daddy vein. Yep, That's, that's the same one, yeah. History podcast. (laughs) But in typical Chapman fashion, it was all a scam. He had made arrangements with the ship captain to smuggle explosives on board so they could be shipped back to England and inspected. Once the Brits figured this out, they made arrangements to shockingly discover the explosive devices once it returned and then spread rumors that the man who had been kicked off in Lisbon was a German spy. It's pretty clever. I mean, if you think about it, because he couldn't actually blow up the ship like the Germans wanted him to. He's like, oh, we just got unlucky that the, these coal bombs didn't go inside the boiler. So instead, they uh, found them once it got back to England. They're like, interviewed all the guys on the ship. And- oh, wait, but let us look at the news report. Oh, they did find the German spy. Okay. Well, he is good. He, he did his job. Very good. Yeah, that was that was one of the interesting things was both sides, uh, England and Germany, thought the other one have had impeccable intelligence agencies and amazing spies, and they were all just bumbling around and you know screwing up in the dark and being confused by what the other one was doing. Like in this situation, the English had no idea what Eddie was doing. They're like, "Oh fuck, he's he's gonna blow up our ship. He's already turned on us. This piece of shit." Well, I felt like at this point they're both kind of backed into a corner or felt that way. Yeah. To where they're just throwing Hail Marys. They're like, right, we got to trust this dude. Yeah. You know, they didn't have a choice and neither one of them maybe should have. I, <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll finish up the story and talk about that later. But it's like neither side really felt like they had a choice because they felt like they were at the disadvantage. Yeah, for sure. And it, Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, it's doubly true for the Germans, especially as we get later in the story. They're like, we got to do something here, man. You'll You'll see the oh, la- yeah. <laughs> laundry list of things they want him to do once he gets back. In, you know? Yeah, once we get into like 43, 44, yeah. they get pretty desperate <laughs> on all fronts. Well, the Germans shipped Eddie to occupied Oslo, Norway, where they interrogated him multiple times, but were convinced that he was still working for him. It was then that they gave him the honorary rank of Oberleutnant, and he was awarded an Iron Cross. 110,000 Reichsmarks and a yacht. Playboy. Just living it up, man. Listen, motherfucker, you're going to go through uh, multiple rounds of interrogation. Okay, you pass with flying colors. (laughs) Here's a ton of money. Here's a fucking yacht. You're an officer. Congratulations. Oh, 
And you have the highest fucking award that we can give (laughs) to a military man. (laughs) Oh, well, I I mean, thank you. (laughs) Danke. All right, Fritz, did you ever work for England? No, not really. All right, here's your surprises. And they just reel out a box full, like, (laughs) Price is Right, like the showcase showdown opens up. (laughs) In Norway, he got to live the life of luxury, but quickly found out that the Norwegians hated him for being a German occupier. However, one night in a bar, he spotted a girl and instantly fell in love. What's new? (laughs) Right? Her name was Dagmar Lalem. Man, why are the hot girls, they're all named Dogmar. Like, I get him, you know, growing up in the 90s with all those supermodels. I don't can't tell you how many times I just, I don't know, went into my private time with a picture of a girl named Dogmar. Like, oh. <laughs> Ooh. Well, Dogmar, too, became ostracized by the Norwegians. It was labeled as a Nazi whore. In reality, Dogmar was working for the Norwegian resistance, and had only cuddled up to Chapman in the hopes of getting some insider info. But damn it, she just couldn't help but fall in love. Eventually, on a rowboat trip when both Eddie and Dogmar were secretly gathering information on the estate of Nazi collaborator Vidkun Kiesling, Eddie revealed that he was actually working for the English. He then proposed to Dogmar. Which, uh, it seems like one of those old-timey movies where they're, like, <laughs> working on the other side, and it's like, oh, yes, let's uh, let's gather information on this romantic <laughs> right <laughs> riverboat. <laughs> right? What's the one where you both paddle? What's that called? Paddle boat? Yes. Where it's like a shape like a swan? Yes, a paddle boat. <laughs> What's that boat where you both paddle? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pad- paddle boat. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> yeah, they're just doing it as an excuse. Right. They're going to bone no matter what. <laughs> or, yeah. It's like every Bond girl, it doesn't matter what side she's on, they find out they're kind of on the same side. <laughs> like that uh, Denise Richards one who was named Christmas Jones solely so Pierce Brosnan could say, I thought Christmas only came once a year. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next one's going to be, oh, Mr. Bones. (laughs) Yes, Agatha, it is true. I do love you. Oh, take off my blouse. And then my old lady bra. It doesn't really seem to support anything. Oh, no, you won't be needing that. I'm barren. I don't know. I just always imagine Bond eventually seducing uh, an old lady, from uh, um, old timey lady, a more refined <laughs> lady, a more refined lady from a simpler time. Put down those mahjong tiles, Agatha. <laughs> <laughs> Come over here, Dagmar. <laughs> it's time we left the rumpus room. To the rest of the seniors. <laughs> just a very handsome Pierce Brosnan just trolling inside of a nursing home. Come out to my Aston Martin. Hold on, I need to get the code for this door. <laughs> You're not allowed to just walk out of it. You know, for the Alzheimer's. <laughs> He's sitting in the front seat. and It'll she's set co- off the alarm. Coming in the walker. He's like, please hurry, Agatha. These pills don't last forever. Come on. <laughs> Hey, you think this KY I put up there is just going to last forever too, Pierce? We both got problems. Agatha, what my word, what is that? Oh. Oh, yeah, leave on the compression socks, baby. Ooh. I have to. They help my diabetes. How far up does the neuropathy go? Stop when I point. Well, if you're not keeping score, Eddie was still married to Vera Friedberg, had proposed to the mother of his child, Frida Stevenson, and was now engaged to marry Dagmar Lollum. Regular old Latter-day Saint here. You know, Mormons, Greg. Mormons, Oh, I I know. Wore that 
samey underwear. Mm-hmm. Oh, most people don't know about that. The magic underwear. The Germans began planning how to further use Eddie to spy on the English. Then, on June 6, 1944, the Allies invaded France, and the Abwehr got desperate. The new plan was to send Eddie into England so he could find out why their U-boats were being sunk at alarming rates, find and steal the device that made the Brits able to fly planes at night, report on the accuracy of the V-1 rockets, spot targets for them, provide weather reports, identify American air bases, figure out which German cities were bombing targets, and hire more spies. Yeah, just a few things. You know, while you're at it, just go ahead and pick up the dry cleaning, take grandma to get her medicine, drown Winston Churchill in a bathtub. Yeah, it's just common spy stuff. (laughs) Listen, if you can just knock out 90% of this list, you would really help Germany out. I'm just saying, you know, we could really use your help. You've been the only thing that's worked in this entire fucking war for us. Dankeschön. On June 29th, Eddie left Dagmar, never to see her again, climbed into a Stuka 88 dive bomber, and parachuted into Cambridgeshire, England. This time he got airsick, puked all over his suit, smacked his head on the road he landed on, and knocked himself out cold for 15 fucking minutes. It's a long time, man. That's brain damage time. When he woke up, he stumbled to a nearby farm covered in vomit and blood, and again turned himself into the authorities. For the next month, Eddie sent messages back to Germany, telling them that their V-1 and V-2 rockets were hitting too far north and they needed to adjust. In reality, the rockets were hitting London, but since they listened to Eddie, the Germans started landing the rockets in the less densely populated farmland in southern England. All those farmers, man, they had to be like super confused as why they were the prime targets, like what the Germans have against their sheep and, you know, <laughs> sexual partners. Um Hey, that's Wales, man. That's Wales. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. No, um, it did surprise me because I think I fell for the propaganda too of, oh, the V1 sucked. The V2s is just terrible. They still killed like 7,000 people in London, just bombing the hell out of that city until this stuff started happening and they started hitting the farmland and they had to keep this part secret for so long because they knew like all those farmers would be like, Super pissed is, well, your life's not worth that much. Let's just let them keep bombing you and keep London safe. Yeah, the V-1 and V-2 rockets were devastating. Yeah. But, you know, at least after we defeated the Nazis, we recruited Werner von Braun for our space <laughs> The program. creator of the V-1 and V-2s, yes. That's right. That's right. America, fuck yeah. Show you, you piece of shit Nazi. We're going to make you work. 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, every holiday off. Sundays, double time. Okay? Take it. Oh, you don't like full health care. How about that, you piece of shit? You like that? We're going to huh? pay you immensely. Oh! Ha! And one more thing, you cuck. You're going to be in our history books You're gonna forever. Be national hero. fucking hero. <laughs> what do you think about that, Nazi scum? <laughs> Eddie also told the Germans he'd found out that the English had developed tiny sea mines that could detect U-boats and follow them for 15 kilometers underwater. To sell this ruse, he mailed them a picture of a regular sea mine next to an 18-inch ruler that had been altered to appear as if it were only six inches long. (laughs) He's got it backwards, man. You gotta alter the six-inch ruler to make it look like 18 inches. You're like, look at this. Well, then I'd accuse him of stealing it from me. <laughs> Two and a half inch dick. Look. <laughs> See it? <laughs> Unfortunately for Eddie, his handler was replaced by a dude named Ride, who didn't care for Eddie's shenanigans. He hated that Chapman spent all of his free time getting drunk and betting on dog races that his old criminal buddies had already fixed. The races, not the dogs. Oh, the dogs were virulent. <laughs> <laughs> They were good. He soon found out that Eddie had told one of his friends that he was an undercover agent, and then he found out that Eddie and his old German spymaster, von Goering, had split all the money that they requested from the German government. Ride sent this information up the chain and made it look like Eddie couldn't be trusted. He was pardoned for his crimes, but his days as a spy were over. Eddie went back to the love of his life. Well, one of them anyway. (laughs) 
he would wind up tracking down and marrying Betty Farmer, the lady he had abandoned when jumping through a plate glass window to avoid arrest in 1939. His story would eventually be told to the public, but like most of his life, it would be full of lies and misdirection. For his service, the English government would pay Eddie a tidy sum of zero dollars and would deny his existence. But uh, just to be clear, all this stuff did come out in 2001. You know, did it? It happened. Yeah. It was eventually fully declassified. All the documents were leaked. I think yeah, yeah. they were waiting for Eddie to be dead and, you know, a few other people to pass away. And speaking of Eddie being dead... Oh, my bad. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> he died in 1997 at the age of 83. But if he were alive, he'd tell you the lesson of his life story is to always get the Germans to pay for your drinks. And if you want to get laid, just uh, propose to every girl you meet. <laughs> you know? End of story. Woo! We did it, man. We did it again. Can't believe we did it. I didn't think we were going to be able to do it. And then we just did it. It just kind of happened. Just kind of fell out there. And just Everybody can see it, man. It's just out there for everybody. Oh, just take it in, you know? I forgot to zip up after the bathroom. My <laughs> yep. bad, guys. Oh, well, I'm just going to leave it there. Now that we've all seen it. <laughs> Mom, you good with it? Sir, you're wearing sweatpants and they're around your ankles. Well, I don't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do about now. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Here we are. What's going to happen now? No, that is the end of that story. Hope you guys enjoyed it. But now, Gregory... It's time for Fast Facts. Fast Fact number one. Eddie considered his German spymaster, Stefan von Goring, to be a good friend. In 1944, the Abwehr was dissolved and von Goring was sent to fight on the Eastern Front. He was arrested after the war, went broke, but when Eddie's daughter got married, von Goring was one of the guests at her wedding. Fast fact number two. While he was in France, Eddie was briefly forced into military service to help stop the French resistance after the Vichy government was broken up. All he wound up doing was arresting a French spy and looting a shitload of French wine. My man. Fast fact number three. Only one time did Eddie slip up with the Germans. On Christmas of 1942, he forgot to start his message with the customary five Fs. The next day, he sent them another message saying he had gotten too drunk celebrating Jesus' birthday and forgotten the Fs. As per usual, the Germans fell for it. Fast fact number four. As we mentioned, German messages were sent using a code word as a cipher word. Eddie's first trip to England involved the use of Constantinople. On his return trip in 1944, the cipher word was at Trondheim's Weiven. And that is only a fast fact, because Chris wanted to make me pronounce it after I was nice and drunk. He nailed it. It's amazing. I think he nailed it. I can't speak German. I don't know. All right. Well, I think we told that story. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a very, I guess, smaller scope story. You know, sometimes we do entire wars, sometimes we do like hundreds of years of wars, and you know, sometimes we talk about one dude making a difference where he can, just trying to change lives. And so I hope you enjoyed the story of Jim Teacher. And you know, <laughs> All right. No, we hope you enjoyed the story of Eddie Chapman. Uh, I do encourage you to read the book, and we also encourage you to check out hunterproofhistory.com at 100ProofHistory on the social medias. And if you enjoy what you hear and you think, maybe I want to hear some more of that, or maybe I want to hear that two days before the rest of these idiots, check out our Patreon. You can find that on HunterProofHistory.com as well. Gregory, what else? Nothing, man. I'm just glad we were able to have this party time. Me too. Me too. (laughs) Goodbye, listener. Get out. Party's over. Put your pants back on. Piece of shit. Goodbye. I already don't like having that intro every episode, but you overruled me, so I'm overruling this.
Fair enough. (laughs) (coughs) Woo! Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Fucking spike my head. Like a, you're like a little kid. I gotta fucking stare at you while you do it. Otherwise, <laughs> you don't do it right. Yeah. If I look away, you start fucking up for attention. <laughs> Till I, okay, Daddy's watching. Yay! Now I can do my trick. <laughs> Daddy regrets you. <laughs> it's not the first time I heard that, as a child or an adult, from multiple men. <laughs> You always made me spit my whiskey. Massal cottony. You were so tame and pussified, right? Well, then add water to your whiskey. <laughs> Everybody knows you do that when you need to hydrate. I drink the clear liquors when I need to hydrate. Just vodka. <laughs> Tricks the old brain. Yeah. White dog. Some 140 proof moonshine. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I got a tutu, but I don't have a piss tune. Got a tutu. I got a tutu. Mom, you can't be a tutu. <laughs> Look at me, be a tutu. So mean to me. I'm just Daddy, trying to talk. Daddy, look at me in my tutu. <laughs> look at me and I'll untie you from the bed, Daddy. <laughs> I'm going to start a male-only Patreon. Well, it's like you said, most of our patrons You don't even are- need to pay. You just have to send me a picture of your penis to prove you're a male. Only for <laughs> verification purposes. <laughs> just write for Greg on it. <laughs> that way I know. <laughs> yeah. You're not just taking a picture off of Google. You're, you did that. That was yeah. you. It better not be like a pink-ribbed vibrator. That's not a real human dick. A lady trying to sneak into the club. <laughs> Because that's what the ladies want to do, you know? (laughs) I want to infiltrate the He-Man Woman Haters Club. (laughs) Yeah. I accidentally put a D in there. I was like, yeah, I'll leave it. (laughs) That's what he said. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) We can't make that joke. That he called Amazon Prime, too. I like that. Oh, it's 1943. <laughs> That's true. So olden days. <laughs> oh no, that was before. That was before Rotary. He had to pick. Clara, get me Amazon Prime. Patch you through, Mister Chapman. Patch me through to Hugamaya Bezos. <laughs> you just made up the name Hugamaya. <laughs> it sounds old, doesn't it? Yeah, Hugamaya Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that shit so funny? Is it is I'm, is it because I'm immature or because it's well? Yes. Yeah, it's because I'm immature. <laughs> no, I wish you were that Sydney Portier. 